0: Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada's Truth and Light. today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, great to have you here today. Great to be here. You know, we've had such a fun time with this program already. And we had the opportunity to meet with Isaac D'Agno last week. And this week we have a wonderful guest. But it's a very serious topic. And it's the topic of the sanctity of life, in essence, abortion. And Stephanie Gray, who is the president of Love Unleashes Life, is going to come in and speak with us in a little while. But right now, we want to get into the Word. And so I'm going to ask you, Dr. John, would you get into the Word of God in respect to
1: this? I think all of us know that abortion is a huge issue. And uh, where do we begin scripture? I want to begin by reading from Deuteronomy chapter 30. And by the way, if you don't know the book of Deuteronomy, you need to know it. Deuteronomy is a sermon, get that, it's a sermon preached by Moses himself. He's on the plains of Moab, it's very shortly before his death. He wants to reiterate the law, he wants to tell Israel, remember the law when you go forward. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15, he says to them, see I have set before you today, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commands and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you. And then the next verse, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear, then he says you will surely perish from the land. So Moses said that God gives his commands not to... You know, not to put heavy burdens on us, but to get us to choose life rather than death. Now now you might ask yourself, well, how is it that the law of God relates to life and helps us to avoid death? Well, if you go to the beginning of the law, which is the beginning of the book of Genesis, you have the account of creation. And in Genesis chapter one, we hear God saying, let us make man in our own image. So the very heart of the creation of man is that our creation is significantly different than everything else that God has made. We uniquely, of all that exists, have been made in the image of God. That means that there are some things in every human being that are a direct reflection of the God who has made us, and one of those things is what I would call a sense of oughtness every one of us has an idea of what's right and what's not right. Things that ought to be and things that ought not to be. But at the heart of being made in the image of God is that God invests worth and value in every single human being. And that's why later on in the book of Genesis, there's a death penalty that is given for anyone who kills another human being. That is, our life is simply so valuable. Now, throughout Christian history, the value and the worth of every single human life has always been uppermost in our thinking. You know, some Christians don't know that, for instance, when it comes to things like slavery, by the end of the 11th century, all of the European lands that had been Christianized had already abolished slavery. Now we know that slavery made a comeback, but it made a comeback because of the rise of nation states and because of commercial interests. And so they violated Christian teaching. And then again, it was Christians who again led the charge against slavery. But I don't want to talk about slavery. I want to talk about the value of human life when it comes to abortion. You know, there's an ancient Christian document. It's the first Christian document that we possess outside of the New Testament. It's called the Didache. Uh, The Didache simply means the teachings, Greek word, the teaching. And it comes to us from the early 100s and it simply has a, a series of commands. These are the ways in which Christians are supposed to live. And one of the lines in the Didache, again, Christian document from the early 100s says, you shall not procure an abortion, nor destroy a newborn child. Let me read you a number of other early Christian documents from the year 210. The great Christian teacher Tertullian would write, in our case, a murder being once for all forbidden, we may not destroy even the fetus in the womb. Does not matter whether you take away a life that is born or destroy one that is coming to birth. Let me give you another quotation, comes from the year 391, and this comes from one of the finest Christian preachers in the history of Christian preaching. His name was John Chrysostom. And he was commenting and preaching from Deuteronomy 30, God has set before us life and death. And here's what he says. He says, you shall not make the chamber of procreation a chamber of murder. That's quite a way of putting it when you think about it. The chamber of procreation is a chamber of murder. And so from the very beginning of the Christian church until the present. the the value of human life, what it means to be human and created in the image of God, and the fact that God invests purpose in every single human being has been reflected in a number of different ways. Lands that have been affected by Christian teaching have made a high value of human life and have protected human dignity. One of those areas has been the constant battle uh, against abortion. That when God puts a human life together in his or her mother's womb, that it makes a difference that they're human. Let me read to you a text that most of us are familiar with, and it's Psalm 139, 13 to 16. David writes, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depth of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as of yet none of them had come to be. So we do get this passage in scripture which tells us very clearly that God watches over and cares for the child that's being formed in the mother's womb. You know the great tragedy in our world today is that we're losing this Christian distinctive of the value of human life. In Canada today, and we're gonna learn more about that in this program, but in Canada today, we have somewhere around the neighborhood of 300 abortions every day. That's like a 747 crashing in this country every single day, every day of every week, and the days go by, the weeks go by, the years go by, the decades go by, and we're not reporting on it. I think it's the number one human rights issue that this country has. There's no greater issue that we have than the devaluing of human rights or human uh, life, human being at every single level. And so we want you to listen carefully. The Bible speaks about the value of life and I think that we should as well. We think that life is worthwhile. Life is worthwhile being lived all the way from the womb of, of mother all the way to the grave. God cares for us. God invests his worth in every single human being, whether or not we've ever come to make peace with God or not. And so this is a Christian virtue. This is what Christians are invested in. We hear the words that come from the very outset of scripture. God has set before us life and death, blessings and curses. And therefore, he says to us, choose life.
0: Hi, and welcome back to Truth in Life today with Dr. John Newfeld, And we have a very special guest today. And, of course, we're, we're, we're talking about a very special topic, and that's the sanctity of life and abortion. And today we have a very special guest. It's Stephanie Gray. Uh, I'm getting this right. President of Love Unleashes Life. Correct. Fantastic. Uh, Stephanie, I'm very impressed. Uh, I, we've just met. Uh, but I've done a lot of uh, reading about you and you're an international speaker You've had such a privilege in respect to talking in so many different places uh, Universities and conferences and in fact you spoke about a year ago at Google Which is amazing and and I understand the video for that went viral uh, Hundreds of thousands of people watch this video uh, But I'm just just very blessed that you would be here today and we can have this conversation together about abortion, because that's really your, your ministry, that's really your area of emphasis and expertise. And uh, I, I just want to start by saying it seems interesting to me that uh, we really have no law in Canada. There's a void of law. And I wonder if that's overshadowed the whole issue and that we become a bit distant from the issue right now. Is it where it ought to be in respect to the, the eye line of Christians?
2: Mm. Yeah, abortion has become so commonplace. You know, we are set apart from most of the world in that we, as you pointed out, have no restrictions. So we're up there with China and North Korea and in terms be, of yeah. how liberal the abortion law is in Canada. And perhaps because it has become so commonplace and, and no one really thinks twice uh, about it because it's common that we're not hearing our church is speaking up in the numbers that we need to. Sure, there are some pastors who preach and there are some Christian doctors and some Christian nurses who will be a voice for those who have none. But we really need to expand the number of voices that are are being raised, let alone being heard. Our first job is to raise it. And then we have to trust the Holy Spirit will open the hearts and minds of people to hear what we're even saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. John, uh, you know, Prior to coming back to the Bible, you spent many years in church ministry, many years as a senior pastor. Uh, Tell me what you think the church's response ought to be.
1: Well, every once in a while, and and I'm so glad you you said what you did, Mm -hmm. Stephanie, because every once in a while, you know, churches, pastors, people will say, we don't want to be involved in politics. Mm -hmm. And and to some degree, I'm gonna agree with that because I don't think we want to be involved in party politics. But there are certain issues which affect the Christian faith, which the Christian faith has to speak into the culture in which we live. And I believe that Christian salt and light in any culture is gonna transform that culture. I'm gonna argue that we're very much like Daniel living in Babylon, Mm. and that we're called upon to speak God's grace and therefore goodness to a nation, which I think this is an issue of speaking God's goodness to the nation.
2: Absolutely, and we are called to care for orphans and widows. Absolutely, and as one of my one of my um, colleagues in the movement has said, who is more orphaned? than the preborn child abandoned by her father and mother who is more widowed than the pregnant woman abandoned by her husband or boyfriend, her father. So these are the modern day orphans and widows that, that we are called to love as our neighbor. You know, in the 10th chapter of Luke, Jesus talks to a scholar of the law uh, and they have this, this exchange about what what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, it's all about love. But what is love? What is love of God? What is love of neighbor? And Jesus illustrates that through the story of the Good Samaritan. And so we are to be the Good Samaritan to these orphans and window- widows who are crying out for help. Yeah.
0: You know, you and John have something in common. I don't know if you know that, is you both had the experience of going to Romania. Mm-hmm. Now, I read a little bit about your experience there, but I thought it was, it was really an enlightening uh, story that you told I wonder if you'd relate that story again of your experience
2: uh. sure yeah you know actually it was 10 years ago we're coming up to the 10 year anniversary was 2008 I just had it on my heart for many years to always want to go to Eastern Europe and rock babies and I heard about this program in a small village in Romania and my mom was a retired nurse at the time so she said well I'll go with you and so she and I went to volunteer at a clinic for failure to thrive children so um, some of them are orphaned but not all were but they weren't thriving in, in their family environment, and so they were placed in this clinic for care. And when we got there, each of us was placed with a child to primarily care for. I, I had a little boy who had Down syndrome. He was so precious. Um, and my mom was placed with a little girl who had just come out of isolation. She was only six months old, and she weighed six pounds. I mean, we're talking, most newborn babies aren't that light. Um, She had very severe fetal alcohol syndrome, um, a very prominent bed sore on her backside. I mean, clearly she had been laying flat and not interacted with, uh, largely, for the first six months of her life out of the womb until she got to that clinic and until my mom came along. And initially, there was no life to this little girl. She never cried because no one responded. My mom, you know, would try to tickle her, There was no reaction whatsoever, but within a few days of my mom cuddling her and singing to her and rocking with her, suddenly she started to come alive. And then if you tickled her, she started to smile. Um, And then she started to cry because she knew someone would respond. And I saw this little girl transform Before my eyes, in the time that we were there, and then following other volunteers subsequently who shared, you know, her updates. And what that really reinforced to me is how my ministry name came to be, which is Love Unleashes Life. That when you love someone authentically, recognizing that they are unrepeatable and they are irreplaceable, and they experience your recognition of that in them, it unleashes life, figuratively or literally, in the case of you could save someone from, you know, despair. So.
0: You used the term, unrepeatable. thats I had never thought about it like that, but you had mentioned that, John, earlier on. Today you had talked about the uniqueness of human life and why that's so critical in respect to our thinking about the value of life.
1: Yeah, if I can back up just even a little bit. I mean, Stephanie, you had talked about you know, how important this issue is for uh, the historic way in which Christians have dealt with people in general. Um, We know that right after the Christian church begins, um, all of the archeological digs in the city of Rome have found that some of the pipes were underneath, all plumbing pipes, were plugged full of little human skulls and uh, I mean abortion was rampant and the Christian church was very active in both looking for uh, abandoned children and looking as well for uh, those that needed to give birth to children. Mm-hmm. I mean, very much at the start of the Christian faith, this was an issue. Um, and you know, you mentioned Romania. I was there immediately after communism came oh, down wow. and, I, and I saw basically what was abandoned children. Mm-hmm. Children that were even two years old that had never been touched in their lives and were put in, in uh, just basically sterile rooms. Mm-hmm. And it again reminded me of the Christian virtue that says life matters. Human beings matter. They matter to God
2: and they should matter to us. Absolutely. I mean, who did Christ die for? He didn't come for cats and dogs. He came for human beings. And the fact that he was willing to suffer and die for us tells us how valuable humans are to him. So if humans are that valuable to God that he would send his only son to suffer for us, then we have to recognize and interact with each other, acknowledging the profound value that each individual we see is not only unrepeatable, but is an image bearer. So each of us has our uniqueness, and yet that similarity that we are bearing the image of God Almighty.
0: What a great thought. What a great conversation. And we're going to continue this conversation right after this break. And we're going to talk a little bit more about about Stephanie's book, Love Unleashes Life, and uh, how you can get that book, but also how we can communicate effectively what we believe to be true about the value of life, so join us in just a minute right here in Truth and Life Today. Thanks for joining us again today with Truth in Life Today. And of course, we have Dr. John Newfeld with us, as we always do. And special guest, Stephanie Gray. And Stephanie, fantastic to have you with us. Uh, I do want to mention Stephanie's book, uh, Love Unleashes Life. And uh, I've had the opportunity to read it myself. And so that's why I'm mentioning it. Now, if you want a copy of that book, you can go to loveunleasheslife.com and you'll get all the information you need there in respect to getting a copy of it. But I thought was so engaging about it was you not only talked about uh, abortion itself, but you talked about uh, the importance of how we go about communicating what we believe to be true. Could you give me a a, a sense of what your book is
2: saying? Absolutely. So it's about reaching the head and the heart and recognizing it's one thing to have knowledge in our minds. It's another thing to have wisdom, which dictates how I get what's in my mind out of my mouth in a way that gets into your heart. (laughs) And so one of the things I really emphasize in the book is to follow the example that Christ models for us. He, throughout his ministry, was encountering others. He was interacting with others. And time and again, we see him asking questions and telling parables. When you ask someone a question, it causes them to think. And too often in our culture, people don't think anymore. So if we model Christ's example and we ask others questions, then they're not going to be thinking more deeply about abortion or any other topic we're asking about, which is going to get the wheels turning. And then if they have any issues, their objection will be with themselves rather than us, because in asking the question, they have to come up with the answer. And they're going to start to identify on their own. Oh, I don't really have an answer. Oh, Oh, there's an inconsistency. So questions are very powerful because it draws the truth out of the individual. Or the falsehood out of the individual, and then analogies or parables or stories. Because what they do is they take concepts that, in abstract, while true, might be hard for us to understand. Mm-hmm. And they apply those concepts to settings we can relate to or visualize or um, have, you know, a sense of, oh yeah, in that circumstance, that's what I would do. So then the principle comes to life through a story. And it's easier for someone to embrace the concept if they can see it lived out in a specific set of circumstances. And that's what parables do. So throughout my book, I provide a number of ways that we can ask questions and tell stories in our conversations on abortion. But these two tactics apply to any dialogue someone would be having with
0: another yeah so it's really important that we're informed we know what we're talking about but it's also as critical that we do it in a way that really engages the person values the person Mm -hmm. and and respects the person and hopefully have that dialogue which will allow them to understand our point of view Uh, now John earlier uh, probably off camera I think we talked a little bit about uh, you know maybe we're uh, abdicating some of our responsibility as the church and maybe we need to take some more uh, action and not allow this just to,
1: just to pass by. Throughout history, I'm gonna argue that Christian presence in any culture has made a significant difference. Okay. Uh, ben, you and I have been to India. Yeah. Uh, we also know that the, the way in which Christianity became involved in ending the practice of seti, and seti is the burning of a widow along with her husband, And it was really the Christian approach that began to make a huge inroad and brought the practice to an end. So I do believe that we need to continue to bear down, preach the gospel. It is central to everything that we do. Mm. But the implications of the gospel and the spillover of the gospel. I mean, Jesus said that God causes the sun to shine on the just and on the unjust. And so there's something about the gospel, even if someone rejects it all their lives, that will bring benefit into their Mm -hmm. lives simply because the gospel is there. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, Steph, how do you see as you travel, you speak about these things, you're involved in conferences and and all types of things. What is the involvement of the church like?
2: Well, there are... Good things happening, for sure. You know, I've been in churches. I've been given the opportunity to be interviewed by pastors, speak some Sunday mornings in certain denominations who are more comfortable with that. Um, so there are opportunities, but there's more that needs to be done. And my one of my biggest convictions of late is that We need to have abortion preached from the pulpit because in our churches are doctors, nurses, pharmacists, social workers, teachers who are on the front lines. They're the ones encountering people in crisis. And if they are not properly formed and if they're not given the courage they need to do the right thing, even when it's hard, they're going to fail in their duty to save a life that is right before them. I remember speaking in a church once and an audience member contacted me within two days and said, I have a friend who's pregnant and she wants an abortion. What do I do? And so as I started to talk to him about what to do, I said, you know, we need to get your friend to a Christian doctor. And he said, well, I took her to my Christian doctor and she walked out of the office with the abortion clinic's phone number. And I thought... Oh, my goodness, we can't just assume that if someone is a Christian doctor, that they are properly formed to do the right thing, to point the patient in the right direction, not the wrong direction. So while there is good things happening in our church, we need churches, we need to ramp it up and we need to really encourage pastors to speak boldly and compassionately on a Sunday morning. When everyone is gathered so that these people of influence in the moment of crisis will be better equipped to do the right thing.
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic word. Well, thanks so much. You know, time goes by so fast. We know this is a huge topic and we really do want to uh, uh, encourage people to discover more about this topic, to become informed. And to, uh, to understand why we believe what we believe, but also to engage people in, in meaningful conversation about it. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we, again, want to encourage folks to go to loveunleasheslife.com. You can find out more about Stephanie. You can find out more about the work she does. And you can find out more about the resources that her ministry offers. So make sure to do that. And in just a minute, uh, after this break, uh, we're going to come back with Dr. John Newfeld, And we're just going to... Uh, finish the day up, and with with some of the points of application that you can use as we consider this issue. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Truth and Light today with Dr. John Newfeld. We had an incredible conversation with Stephanie Gray about the whole idea of uh, the sanctity of life and abortion. And uh, she comes with a a vast amount of knowledge. And I was really encouraged uh, by what she had to say and that there's somebody out there representing this issue like her. And uh, so we need to be in prayer for her. But uh, Dr. John, help us uh, for the next couple of minutes, give us a couple of things that you know
1: we need to go away with. I think one of the things that she mentioned that we should remember, Canada, China and North Korea are the only countries in the world, Ben, in the world, that have no abortion laws, I would say that most Canadians don't know that, that we are in a human rights situation like those two countries. I think that's shocking, and I think we need to speak about it. I mean, the second thing is, I do think she's also right, that we need to include this as part of the teaching that we do in the local church. We need to speak about things like common grace, the value that God places in every single human being regardless of their commitment to the Lord or not. So we need to speak that kind of language and then we need to talk about the overflow of that. We should be talking about what has happened in terms of slavery and how the Christian church led the charge and we should mention that this abortion Is the human rights issue of our day. No, it's not gender rights or gender identity. It is the issue of abortion. Nothing is more important. Christians need to lead this charge.
0: Thanks so much for sharing with us today, John. And we're so encouraged by what Stephanie Gray had to offer as well. And, you know, this is an issue that we need to keep on the top burner, things that the church needs to consider and act about. Uh, Remember, you can join us every week on truth and life today and if you want to know more information about this ministry go to truthandlife.ca truth and life today biblical truth engaging culture